Good evening, Atlanta United fans. So, it obviously feels kind of like the death knell of the season, unfortunately. We're not at that point mathematically yet, obviously, but it's going to be tough at this point. Atlanta United goes up to Portland, goes down on two penalties, loses 2-1. This, this was probably the most must-win game of all the must-win games they've had, right? We've been talking about it for the past five, six matches. They've, they've had to find the fight. They've had to find something that's going to bring about a change, and you were hoping this was going to be the away win that, that did it, but unfortunately it's not. But we're going to get into the game. Uh, we, we're going to chat about it like we always do, but we have some very important people to listen to that are much better to listen to than myself. And as we get them in, one, Michael Parkhurst, um, I'm going to, as I try to get him in, technical difficulties. Um, as we get Parky in, guys, make sure you're checking out DirtySouthSoccer.com. We'll have you know some articles up and everything. As usual, make sure you follow myself at ATL Pilgrim. I'm going to get Sydney in here as well. Make sure you're following him at SH Rights. And we're going to chat with Parky and possibly Garza here in a little bit. Uh, I'm not sure. But uh, we'll get past all of our technical difficulties first. But Sydney, I do believe you were on the way home, aren't you? Yes, I am currently on I 85, uh, just outside of Greenville. South Carolina <laughs> just got home from a trip to Europe and was listening to the match. And yeah, did it go well? <laughs> um, two, Langana concedes two penalties. One sounded like it was not a good call by John Freeman, the referee. So interested to hear what folks think about that. But at the same time, a lost opportunity on the road. This team time and time again have proven that they have been unable to win on the road when it matters and really at any point in the season on a sustained basis so the playoffs look really out of the question right now <laughs> they'll take miracle upon miracle to see the get the playoffs at this point but another missed opportunity on the road and many times have we said this about this team this season that's the story of the season and we'll get into it, like I said. But, Parky, I think you are all good to go. If you want to turn your mic on, let everybody hear you. Hey, what's up, guys? What's up, guys? Y'all doing all right. How are y'all? Well, we could have been better. Yeah. <laughs> could have been better. I hear you. So, I don't want to beat the dead horse about the match. I'm sure we'll get into it. But, I kind of wanted to give you a chance, and and I'm not sure again if if uh, if Garza is going to be joining us from the Beyond Goals mentoring, but wanted to give you a chance to just kind of you know shout out the the new venture that you guys have going and, and talk about it a little bit, and maybe give some insight to those that either aren't aware of it or haven't really you know looked into it yet, and and just kind of I don't know catch some fans up on what y'all been doing. Yeah, appreciate it. Um, yeah, I think that Greg and I were looking to do something to stay involved and uh, just didn't know at what capacity. And uh, you know, started working with some of the academy kids before I left Atlanta. And um, just seemed like uh, between that and just my knowledge of, of how the first batch of homegrowns went through some things there in Atlanta and 
you know, we felt like we could make a difference on the mentoring side of things, um, sharing some of our experiences uh, on and off the field, um, because it, it takes, as, as most of us know, it takes more than just being a good player um, for 90 minutes in the training session or 90 minutes on a field in order to have in order to make it or, or, to, or to have success. Um, and so we started working with Academy kids. Um, we work with Atlanta United Academy, we work with some other academies. Um, and then we, we started broadening our message uh, because we realized that success anywhere in life, um, you know, success, in order to have success anywhere in life, it's the same principles as having success in soccer or any sport, really. Right? When we're talking about working, working as a team, overcoming obstacles, dealing with confidence, um, the ability to put things behind you, uh, focusing on a task, all different types of things. And, and so it's broadened our outreach. Now we've uh, uh, partnered with a 501c um, company. And so now we're, we're getting funding so that we can go out and speak with a whole batch of other kids and uh, our, give them some opportunities to pick our brains and uh, share some of our experiences and uh, how we got to where we did and how we were able to stay on top for a little while. So it's it's been really fun. I, I really enjoy speaking to kids. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, really, really enjoying that aspect of it. As I've got to know some of the Atlanta United Academy kids and, and seen their growth. So that's been fun for me. That's great to hear that you're uh, you know, giving back to the game, the capacity that you and Greg are doing thus far. Uh, no, looking back when you're growing up as a kid up in Rhode Island, you know, who are some of your mentors personally that you can look back and say, hey, these people really shaped me as far as the player that I was in the field, not just in MLS, but during your collegiate career? Yeah, and I, I was fortunate that I had a great family and, and, and good support there. Um, and, and I had um, uh, some good coaches growing up, right? And it was, it was a little bit of a different time back then, as, as I'm sure a lot of the listeners know. Like, um, it just uh, – today's athlete or today's kid is just treated a lot different and, and they have to just because of the times and everything. So, um, you know, it was just a little bit more strict back then. And I was doing a ton of pushups here and there, like everybody else on the team, um, you know, and, and sprints and these types of things. Um, and, and so I had some good coaches. Uh, my college coach is probably uh, my biggest mentor, uh, still is. Um, he was Bobby Muse, the, the head coach at Wake now. I'm still very close with him. Um, he, he, he's been a great influence for me. Um, but I had a really good coach down in Florida who was really tough on some kids, but him and I had a very good relationship um, because I, I learned so much from him and, and Tom Durkin. Um, so um yeah i was i was fortunate in that respect and but a lot of a lot of kids don't um have the exact same support system that i had so you know those are the types of kids that for sure that we want to get a hold of so you mentioned this kind of started back when y'all were still playing with atlanta any names in particular that come to mind or that maybe some of the fans would know that y'all kind of started working with back then N not um I think that one of the reasons why we started is because when we look back and we think to the original Atlanta United Academy class that we signed to the first team, and these these were very good players on the field, and and none of them you know got a second contract with Atlanta United, and, and I think that you know that's a, a failure on a lot of people's parts, um, you know those individuals included, but 
you know, for the rest of us, right? Could we have done more? And, and I think back to that time and, you know, could, could I have done more to help those guys out, you know, especially off the field? Because like I said, they were talented guys off the field, um, but they did not understand what it took to be a professional athlete and the commitment uh, and dedication off the field and everything that um, is needed to be done um, on a routine basis, day in and day out in order to have success uh, at the top level. And, you know, that was part of the reason why Greg and I wanted to do this is to, and, and once you're a pro athlete, right, it's a little bit more difficult to get into those guys. So you have to get to them when they're a little bit younger and ingrain some of those things, because by the time guys turn pro, they think they know everything, a lot of them. Right. And, and so, you know, it was like, okay, we have to, we have to let these guys know at a younger age of what it takes. And, um, you know, that's what I would say about when I look back to that original class. So not to change, I guess the topic entirely, but it, it kind of, kind of flows along with that. After everything that you, you and Garza did kind of becoming Atlanta legends and it's early, you know, youthful tenure. Uh, when you leave a club like that and you see where the academy's at now, how do you feel in terms of, despite everything going on with the club, you know, the first team and everything, how far the academy and how far the, the twos have come and how far the talent, I guess the youthful talent has come? Yeah, I think it's been great. You know, I think that um, it's never easy to get things up and running. And, and all MLS academies in, in the long run of things are so young. Right. And we're still learning a lot of, of what kids need, um, how, how to develop them, not only as players on the field, but human beings. Um, and, you know, I think Atlanta learned a lot of those lessons pretty quickly. And, um, you know, I think Matt Lowry, the, the guy in charge now, is, is a fantastic human being. He's a fantastic coach, knows the game really well, um, you know, and, and really looks out for the boys. So, um, you know, I think they're in great hands. Um, you know, the facilities obviously have always been fantastic. And, uh, so, you know, it was just a matter of time before, um, you know, we started getting, uh, some talented guys to play for the first team on a more consistent basis, like, like Caleb. Um, so, you know, it, it's great to see, um, that it, it can happen and that it is happening and it will continue to happen. Yeah. I've got no doubt. I mean, you look at Caleb and, Sometimes it, it just doesn't seem that he's 17. He He's so much more mature. Obviously, he's going to make mistakes, but he, he looks like he belongs out there with the first team. He got stuck into a situation where he probably shouldn't have got as many minutes as he did this season, and yet uh, he's – I mean, he, he was the, the kid that was there during the, the cup, the cup run that y'all played in where he was the ball boy. And I think it comes so far, that's wild. Dang, that makes me feel real old. <laughs> uh, no, no, I agree with you, though. You know, it hasn't been, you know, easy going there in Atlanta the last year and a half. And, um, you know, he, he's done well. And, you know, it's, it's not because there's not any other options that he's playing. Right. And it's not because, you know, they've, they've thrown everything in you know the toilet for the season. Right. You know, he's earned his his spot on the team. And, you know, even today, you know, I thought he was he was pretty good. Uh, so. Um, and you speak about his maturity and, and that's what I'm talking about as far as things off the field, right? You know, he wouldn't be having the success that if he, he, he's having right now, if he wasn't mature, if he wasn't able to, um, you know, be, be a guy to 
take that on, take that responsibility, have confidence, even when the team's not doing well. Uh, so it's, you know, kudos to him and everyone that's, that's helped him get to where he is. You, you played for a, a long time in MLS, you know, obviously in your career at Atlanta, um, kind of tying into the rest of the Atlanta United are in right now. Uh, as a player, when your club hit a kind of a rough stretch, how difficult was it for you to really keep going and say, hey, no, we just got to keep working. We got to keep plugging away at it, especially with you having been the captain. Yeah, um, really, really challenging, uh, really, really challenging because uh, and that was one of the toughest, toughest responsibilities, you know, uh, on, you know, my shoulders, Jeff, you know, the, the older guys when we were there. Um, and that's one thing I talk to men- mentees a lot about is the ups and downs of a game, the ups and downs of a season, right? And trying to stay level, you know, not ride the roller coaster of like way up, way down, way up, way down. And um, I, there were a bunch of players I played with in Atlanta that rode the roller coaster. And so when things weren't going bad, it was very difficult for, for us to try and keep them level and say, hey, you know, tomorrow's another day the next game's another game and there's a fine line as as with everything right there's a fine line between um brushing it off and looking to next week and learning from mistakes and knowing that oh you know time is finite and you know opportunities are are few and far between and and not losing you know certain positionings you know like the team's in right now right and you say you know, okay, you got to look forward to the next game. But right now it's like, you know, no, every, every single point's so important. Uh, so th- that becomes the challenge, um, you know, w- grasping the sense of urgency versus um, like, okay, no, stay positive. We can turn the ship around. So, how, how does it make you feel? I mean, of course, winning MLS Cup with Atlanta United being such a key part of this club during its infancy, you know, seeing them at the position they're in now is almost like a United degree turn. How does that make you feel personally? Yeah, it's tough. It's tough to watch uh, sometimes. It, it, it is. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's disappointing too, you know, as a fan of not only the team, but a fan of the league, um, you know, you want Atlanta United to be at the top. Right. You want to uh, reward the fans for what they provide on a game day and the support that they give the team. And, and you want the justification of, of spending money to um, equal good results and good teams. And, um, you know, you don't especially as a, as, a, as a player, you don't want, you know, teams like the Red Bulls that, you know, aren't spending money and just doing academy guys to have. Um, more success than some than a team that spends you know x amount of millions of dollars right you because you know you know we want the level to to keep increasing and, and i'm not saying you can't do what the red bulls are doing but um you know we want to drive the league forward and atlanta united has shown that they are want to be the front runner of driving the league forward and that's fantastic and it's awesome um and, and so when you have a season like this it's it's tough. It's tough to watch. And, and I know that we've had some bad, some bad luck, right? Some bad injuries to key, key people uh, right up the gut of our team. 
so it, it's it's really tough to watch because I, I feel for the players and what they're going through. I feel for the fans because I know that how much support they give the team and, and how difficult it, it is to continue to support them when you know it's it's it doesn't look great sometimes on the field. So to piggyback on that, when you look at the team now in terms of the youth and, and what you guys are doing with Beyond Goals, how does the team that doesn't have a, I guess, a de facto leader on the field at, at any given point, or at least doesn't seem like they have a, a leader at any given point, how, how does a young team overcome that? It's challenging. Uh, it, it really is. Um you know, it's, it's, that's tough. And that's a really good question because, um, you know, I don't think you necessarily have to have a leader on the field, you know, at, at all times. Um, I think it's better if you do. Um, but, you know, to, to not have a, a go-to leader, um, even in the locker room and even somebody that's on the bench, um, that, that that's challenging because in certain times you need a guy to step in and know what to say and how to say it and, and to motivate guys and, and to get under guys um, and, and sometimes have conversations with guys, but you can't, one of the things about being a good leader is knowing how to communicate with your teammates and you can't communicate with everybody the same way because, you know, players respond differently to different uh, leadership styles and um, knowing how to do that is, is a skill. And, um, you know, I, I think we're missing that. So more falls on the coach's shoulders, um, you know, but it, it always means more coming from another player. So, you know, that's a challenge. And that's why the injuries have hurt so much, right? Ozzy was going to be that guy. Brad was that guy. Miles was going to be that guy. So, you know, that's really, really tough. What What's your impression of Gonzalo Um. I, I like Gonzalo. I, I, he's, he's a really good human being. He's a really, really nice guy. Um, he totally about the culture, uh, of, of uniting the team at a time when he really needed it. Um, you know, the, the coaching carousel there between Tata and Gonzalo, um, you know, was tough for the club, right, on and off the field. And so um, – you know, I, I think that you needed somebody that that understood the the project, understood the the demands of it, and and how to unite guys, um, you know, and bring the academy along with the first team, and and just understand the whole picture. Um, you know, and, and Gonzalo does that and, and gets that. So, you know, I think that that's great. Um, you know, that said, you know, I'm not sure he's been dealt a tough hand this year because of the injuries and and. And, and not just the significant injuries, but, you know, Brooks missing a ton of time and, and Joseph in and out and, you know, Almada coming in and Moreno. And, and just it seems like because for so long of the season, he hasn't had his 11 to choose from. The lineup has more or less been chosen for him. Um, and, and now we're at a point where he does have a little bit more um, flexibility in his options. And I, and I think that he hasn't found yet what works best for the team. And, and I think that that's partly because he didn't have enough time to go through a preseason and figure all that, that out. Um, and he's having to do it on the fly and, and maybe that's leading to some of the inconsistency. So in your, I guess your experience with, 
Beyond Goals, and now that y'all have been doing it for a little bit, how, how long has Beyond Goals been around exactly? Because I know it's kind of come to the forefront fairly recently within the past few months or so, but. Yeah, we uh, f- officially formed it maybe September of last year, so not 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 yet a year. Okay, and so you guys are yeah, you're still getting off on the front foot, but I mean, I've seen the videos of of Garza, you know, at, at different places where he's having his conversations and his his meetings with with everybody in front of a crowd. It seems like it's growing well, um, but I kind of wanted to hit on something, I guess, for everybody else as well that's listening. Uh, you had mentioned that it's not just soccer, right? It, it's it's very much mentorship in terms of lifestyle on top of, yes, soccer is, is very important because that's what the kids are, are going after. But it seems like it's more of a, a almost like a, like a lifestyle mentorship. Oh, a hundred percent. It definitely is. Even with the top level talent, you know, I, I think that it's super hu- important, right? And, and one of the reasons, and, and that's it's the worst part of youth sports is is the parents, and so sometimes the way that they push kids, and a lot of times we lose uh, focus of why we put kids in in sports and and why it's so valuable, and it's not to you know win championships and get a college scholarship and turn pro. Like that is a, a byproduct of, of a very fortunate, very few uh, select people. Um, but all the other attributes that you can grow from by playing sports uh, at, in a team environment, um, you know, and, and we lose track of that. And, and so we, we focus on a lot of that, but also just off the field and being a good human being and, and being a good teammate and knowing how to do that, knowing your role and how to be a leader and how to be, um, you know, in that team environment and bring your strengths to help out the, the collective, um, you know, and like I said, these are, these are skills that transcend just, you know, on the field success, right? It doesn't matter what you're going to do in life. You know, these, these are some lessons that are going to help these kids um, in whatever they do. And so, yeah, we're trying to develop the human being as well as the athlete. So if I guess we had listeners now that were curious about it, because again, I, I don't know who all is, is listening that knows of it and has, because I, y'all fairly recently, I think added to Twitter as well. I believe it was off Twitter for a bit, but, uh, if there was somebody listening that wanted to get their kids involved and kind of get involved with this whole process, can you kind of walk us through what it would be like? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, we've got a website, you know, beyond goals, mentoring.com. And, um, you know, there's a bunch of information there. Um, we do group sessions and individual sessions and, uh, I think that we hop on calls with parents um, that are interested but don't know exactly how we tailor things. And the beauty of the individual sessions is we don't have a set curriculum. Like we don't we don't have something where it's like, hey, we talk about this, 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 and this, and we just go through a checklist. It's like, no, you know, what's your situation? What's your level? You know, what are you going through? How can we help? And then we tailor it. Um, You know, group sessions we hit on. You know, more structured topics that we think can hit a wide variety of players um but um yeah the website and then that'll lead you to like a a call with myself or greg um if needed before um signing up for a session so from 
correct me if I'm wrong, but you, you were in, you're based at, at Ohio now, right? You're still doing stuff in Rhode Island. Correct. Yeah, that, that's a good question. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Uh, yeah, I, I we relocated back to um, Ohio when we were done playing. Um, okay. We had kept uh, our house up here from when I was playing up here in Columbus, and my wife had fallen in love with the area, so the plan was to always move back, which we did. Um, so 95% of what we do is virtual. Um, Greg is obviously still in Atlanta, so he does some things in person, particularly group sessions if we're doing teams or um schools or um certain after school things um greg will go in person and i'll jump on a a video screen and we'll do it together that way but uh all of our individual stuff is um virtual okay yeah that was that was was, i was kind of getting at because i like I said, I've seen Garza, you know, his, his group sessions, I think, uh, I believe they were here in Atlanta. I could be wrong, but, um, uh, just, I was kind of curious if it was mostly just an Atlanta thing or if it was, if it wasn't, you know, kind of just the two locations that you guys were located. So that, that helps out. That answers a lot. Um, to, to kind of, I guess, switch gears and swap back to Atlanta a little bit, keeping on the youth though, in terms of Atlanta United now, we look at the, the team with their youthfulness and, and how young it is. I think they're fielding this. I believe it's the second youngest squad typically in MLS. You talked about Pineda coming in. I think Sydney had asked earlier about, you know, what you thought of Pineda in terms of how he's, he's come in. And I agree. He's, he's come in and he's, he tied the team together when they needed it because it was a rough time. We all know that. But when you've got a bunch of young players for the squad that, either haven't been here long or they're coming up from the twos coming up from the academy how long does it typically take obviously everybody's different but how long does it typically take for a younger player to kind of acclimate to a a new coach and a new play style especially after that revolving door that you talked about yeah you're right it's it is uh a little different for each player and you know i think that's why experience helps right you're able to adapt a little bit faster um, you know, younger guys need a little bit of experience, right? We've, we've seen, you know, even this year, right? Caleb has had some bad moments, um, some bad games and, and that's, you, that's going to happen, right? George had those games well, as well, um, you know, coming up, um, that's all part of the growth and you just hope that you've got enough guys around the young players that can help out and, um, when those mistakes occur, right. To, to minimize the damage, um, to, to help with those growing pains, um, and, and to help younger players grasp the style of play and what's expected of them. Um, you know, because things can be so different. I mean, shoot, it was a tough adjustment for me and I was 32 or so when I, when I played under Tata, right. Cause I had played for a ton of coaches, but, uh, all of a sudden I'm playing center back for Tata and we are playing the most open style of soccer I've ever played. And I'm standing at the halfway line one-on-one with a striker, you know, with nobody around me for 20 yards. And I'm thinking, Holy smokes, this is nuts. Right. And, you know, it's just a different style of play. So even for me, for, you know, that took time for me to adjust and learn, okay, what do I need to do in these situations to, you know, give myself the best chance possible here. Um, you know, and how can I 
yes, play the way that he wants us to play, but at the same time, have a little bit of say in my communication with guys and positioning and those little types of things. Um, and, and so that's, it, it takes younger guys a little bit more time to have the confidence to, yes, the coach wants us to do this thing, but okay, I'm out here on the field and I'm seeing this and I'm experiencing this. So I need to adapt a little bit, um, versus like, okay, my coach told me to do this. So I'm going to do this. Um, you know, and, and that's obviously, again, where the leadership on the field comes in. Um, so, you know, I, I guess the long answer is um, it, it takes time, unfortunately. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's that's why it's it's nice to have some younger guys, but mixed in with some veterans. You, uh, you and Tata still keep in touch at uh, every now and then, but very infrequently. One of his assistant coaches I, I speak with a little bit more, who's, who's on the Mexico staff as well. Um, but I, I haven't seen them for a while. Yeah, you know that's that's an interesting insight that you can give because the you know it's easy to think, hey, the, the newer players, the younger players will adjust, but. You know, the insight that you gave you know, from older players as well. I mean, you talk about the step into a new technical system that you had to adjust to that kind of had you all playing. So I think that insight that you gave is really appreciated to the folks who are listening tonight. Um, I, I'm going to kind of go out to the rim a little bit here. Well, actually, keeping on, keeping on um, Atlanta, um, Miles Robinson, of course, you know, we talked about him, had a just awful injury. In this World Cup, folks are pretty much shot at this point. Um, when you first met Miles, did you kind of know offhand that right off the bat that you know this kid was going to be special, or was it just a player that needed to take more time to work his way into the system and get his feet underneath him? Uh, I think we all knew pretty quickly. Um, I I, re- I remember having conversations with some guys, and, and I. I couldn't tell you if it was year one or year two, but we were talking to saying how like, man, if, if miles at the time we were saying, you know, if miles was drafted by Colorado or, or some other team, um, you know, he'd be starting for them and, and balling. Right. But, um, you know, just, you know, Tata was tough with younger players and, and obviously we, you know, myself and Leandro were there and Jeff and uh, you know, he, he valued our experience there in the back. And so Miles obviously didn't play too much those those first two years, um, you know, but also, you know, our, our requirements as far as playing out of the back and, and reading things. And, you know, uh, that's where Miles has made such significant strides. Um, but if he had been drafted to a team that didn't want to play out of the back, we, 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 we told ourselves, like, shoot, this guy would be dominant. At a, on a team like that because he was so good one-on-one um literally the best defender i've ever seen one-on-one um it's just impossible to beat so uh we knew we knew early on so it's kind of funny you mentioned that going back to i, I forget which player it was but the, there was always the story of back in the tata days where miles would be out in practice and he was like the one defender that nobody could consistently score on is that is that was that kind of like an atlanta united legend that kind of came out or was that fairly true uh yeah fairly true um yeah i don't want to say never but yeah i think that you know 
it was somebody that, you know, Tito couldn't run by and, and Joseph couldn't bully. And, you know, it's just like he didn't have a weakness in a, in a, in a one-on-one battle, like, especially in, in the box. Right. You know, and not to say he didn't give up goals because, you know, he was still learning to positioning and, you know, Miguel could still do anything he wanted to anybody. Um, you know, but that being said, yeah, he was a, a lockdown guy for sure. Any kind of, well, obviously I know it speaks for itself with, with y'all's leadership. You talked about you and Leandro and, and Jeff and all those guys. Any, I think young guys going to benefit from, from having the quote unquote guys like you, the veterans around. Um, but in terms of, I guess, being a defender and, and where you were placed at in the, the, I guess, the highly regarded soccer IQ that you have, what do you tell to a guy like Miles or, or any other young defender, like we have George Campbell, for example, now, uh, to how do you, what do you tell them to be able to play the position more intelligently as, and as opposed to not just always relying on your, you know, your physical aspects? Yeah, I tell them two things. I say one, play to your strengths. Um, you know, it's important to understand what your strengths are as a player. Uh, perfect example is myself and Leandro, right? We, we play the same position. We played it very differently uh, and, and both had success doing it, right? But I wasn't going to go shoulder to shoulder with a guy. I wasn't going to play the physical style that Leandro played because, you know, I couldn't do it. Uh, Leandro could. Uh, so I had to play a different way. I had to play to my strengths um, and, and knowing what those are and how to have success. Um, against certain players with those strengths. So that's, that's super important. Uh, and, and the other thing I always say is you have to defend while you guys are attacking. Um, you know, that's set yourself up for success. Um, I always used to say like the, the harder the guys are in front of me are working, the less I have to do. Um, you know, and, and some of that's a joke. Um, but some of it is like, no, you have to direct them and tell them where to go so that, you know, it's going to make your life easier, which will then lead to more success for the team. Right. And, and a lot of that is done when we, when you have the ball, not, not when you've lost the ball, right. If you wait until then to figure out where you're supposed to be and where the, where your teammates are supposed to be and how to defend a counterattack, then you're already a step behind. Uh, and that's a tough skill to learn, right. Especially when you've got a, a talented team in front of you and you want to watch guys dribble and you want to watch the team, you know, score and, and things like that to stay focused and to say, Hey, okay, if we give up the ball right now, where are we in trouble? How could we be in trouble? Um, and, and that takes a lot of, uh, time and focus and energy mentally, uh, to get used to. Uh, so th- those two things I think are, are my two biggest messages. It kind of reminds me, I think, it, it, depending on how you look at it, you look at the sport of baseball, that was something I grew up playing a lot, and I was always taught, I think, maybe the baseball version of that was, you know, you're on the field, before the ball's ever pitched, you need to know where you're going with it. Um, it I think that could be a, a pretty similar comparison. But 100%. I, I yeah. completely agree with you. And, and honestly, I use that in my mentoring to say, hey, you know, other sports, playing other sports is valuable. Um, and, and I do say that because I, I, I grew up a huge baseball fan um, and played baseball. I, I loved baseball more than soccer for a while. And, and I totally agree with you. I, I always used to think, OK, if the ball gets hit here, where am I going with it? What, what am I going to do? You know, where are the runners going to go? Always thinking ahead. Um, 
And, and I think that I started doing that on the baseball field before I started doing it on the soccer field. And it, it definitely helped me on the soccer field. hundred percent. Yeah. So, and that's, what's tough. I, me from that personal experience, I'm, I'm pretty sure everybody that has been in that same situation has played baseball, played soccer to, to a level to where it came to that, I think would agree <laughs> that, you know, that's something that you have to be aware of, but all that comes down to focus. And when you look at the team now, I think maybe that's been one of the bigger themes of the season has been, it's just for split seconds, some worse than others, but you go back to, I think it was the, the first Red Bulls match uh, up in New Jersey where Atlanta played a genuinely really good game and switched off for maybe 30 seconds the entire match. And those 30 seconds were enough to turn the tide. What do you, I mean, how do you fix that in a team? What, what do you have to do? What, I think what message from the players, what message from the coaches is necessary to kind of help the team stay focused for a full 90. Yeah, it's challenging because I don't think there's an easy quick fix. You know, I think that, um, the, the whole idea of having a team is that you've got teammates that can, can help you out, uh, when you do make mistakes, when you do fall asleep for half a second. And, and right now, for whatever reason, um, this whole season has been like that where it's like, okay, one guy falls asleep, makes a mistake and the team is not able to, uh, pick the other guy up and, and, uh, make up for the mistake and, and uh, I, I've been part of that team like in Columbus uh, we went to MLS Cup in 2014 and then 2015 you know 2015 we went to the MLS Cup 2016 we had the same team yeah. and, and we struggled all year long I, I couldn't explain it we'd dominate teams we'd play really well and, and similarly you know we'd give up a chance or two and we'd lose 1-0 we'd lose 2-1 we tie, we tie two two. We tied, you know, it was just like all season long, and we thought, okay, it's going to change, it's going to change. That's what I was talking about earlier about that sense of urgency. Um, and we didn't even make the playoffs, and it was a super talented team coming off an MLS Cup uh, appearance, and um, you know, it was it was similar. It was just like whatever reason, one of us would turn off, and you'd make a mistake, and it was just like every time it felt like, man every time they find the back of the net, you know, where you get in a groove and things are going your way and you make a mistake and a guy hits the post or, or, you know, Brad takes it off the face or, you know, for whatever reason they miss the goal or, you know, it just, it's like, I, I don't know. Um, you know, even today, like you, you could say like, Oh, Portland fell asleep for a couple of things. Right. But, um, Arujo misses, misses the breakaway and, you know, we missed the follow-up or, or we miss another chance. And it's like, you know, then you, then those mistakes are forgotten about um, because it didn't lead to a goal. Uh, and, and right now it just seems like we don't have guys able to uh, make the play to help out the teammate that, you know, has a gaffe. And, and, and obviously the gaffe is the first mistake. Um, and, but there's no quick fix for that. That's, that's just individual focus and, and maybe, maybe the leadership out in the field as far as speaking and, and, that's one of the good things about talking to your teammates out there. It keeps you engaged. It keeps them engaged as well. Um, you know, on the mental side. Do you consider, I guess when you were out there and, and this is not just Atlanta United, but in your career, we, we always joke around about Brad, right? Cause Brad's the yeller and the screamer. I mean, you can almost hear him in the stands <laughs> at Mercedes Benz. Um, 
but I mean, on a, on a, I guess a match basis, what, what kind of communication did you have for, for everybody? Obviously your back line, you're trying to keep them, you know, in communication, but going forward, you know, were you one of those that was out there, you know, losing your voice by the end of it, or could you kind of keep it more to a lead by example? I mean, we all saw that, you know, it come to fruition, but you look at a guy like Brad and it seems like the end of the match, he's, he's gotten a voice. That's just how he is. Of course, he's also further back, but. Yeah, definitely. And I think that that's where different leadership styles come in. You know, I was a little bit less, um, well, a lot less talkative than Brad, but, um, you know, I, I think that I did more communicating than I ever had when I was in Atlanta. Um, and maybe some of it was just because of the chaotic way that we played under Tata and how spread out and open we were. You just, you had to do it. Otherwise you were going to um, get caught in bad spots that we, we did sometimes. Right. I mean, we, there were games where we just got crushed on the counterattack, and um, you know, some of that was, we just weren't organized enough. And, you know, some of that comes down to communication and guys just being aware, um, you know, in, in the bends, it's tough to communicate because it's so loud. Um you know, so, you know, it, it's also game dependent and player dependent, you know, there's certain guys in certain situations and that you have to be commun- more communicative of like, but, you know, somebody like Jeff and I, like Jeff and I could play together and not communicate a word, but, you know, we, we understand each other's movements and where to be. And, that, and that's just from playing with each other for a long time, um, you know, versus you play with somebody new, um, you know, you have to be more engaged and you have to speak a lot more, um, you know, but yeah. And, and, and I used to give Brad a hard time, you know, that he just liked hearing himself talk, you know, because of how much he was doing it back there. But you know, at the same time, he does do it so that, like I said earlier, it keeps him engaged, one, mentally, um, you know, but two, you know, so other guys don't turn off for that half second, right? Um, just reminders all the time of like what's going on out there so that you, you don't have that little gaffe. How? Oh. How difficult was it to, you know, when, when you're kind of on the receiving end of you know, that from Brad, you know, how hard was it to, to not take it personally to you know, have that short-term memory? Yeah, I mean, you have to know uh, that more, more, most of the time, right, when a teammate has a go at somebody, um, he's not trying to be a jerk. He's doing it because he's upset because uh, he wants what's best for the team and and success. And what you just did wasn't helping the team have success. And, and, you know, every now and then you get a teammate that's just a jerk. Um, But you also know that Brad is not that guy, Um, you know, and, and some of it comes down to having ownership, right? You know, there's definitely some teammates that I played with that, had terrible ownership of mistakes, right? Never made a mistake in their life. It was always somebody else's fault. Um, you know, but the good, most of the good players were able to say like, they know, right. You know, when you make a mistake, you know, like when you're liable and you just, you take it because you, you deserve it sometimes. Um, you know, and, and other times you just tell Brad to shut the F up and uh, keep, keep moving. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of players are probably, probably felt that i think the the younger guys probably feel that more often than the than the senior guys um sydney did you have another question you want to hop in i was gonna no no go for it i meant to uh have my mic muted but go for it do you recall 
when you first, uh, I guess, started a match as a captain? Um, for Atlanta United or for anyone? For, for anyone in, in your career. Yeah, I, I was only a captain for, with Columbus and, uh, and Atlanta. So, yeah, in Columbus, yep. So, because I'm trying to keep the theme, obviously, with the, the young guys in the academy. And um, I think we had, I don't know if he's in here anymore, but we had uh, somebody you know well, Kevin Kras was in here listening a little bit ago. Um, but when you're looking at the younger guys, again, I kind of hit on it earlier, but what's it like to to be given that captain's armband for the first time? What's it kind of the mindset that you have, I know it's probably different for everybody, but I guess in, in your experience, when you first received it, what was your thought process in terms of how you wanted to handle it? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, you know, I think that you try not to change who you are um, because, you know, you're given the captain's armband because of either the way the coach respects you or the team or, or both. Um, and so what are you, whatever you've done up to that point, um, you, you've likely earned it. Um, so try not to change, you know, who you are, um, you know, but for some guys, that's a little bit challenging. And also some guys maybe do need to change a little bit um, because you feel uh, an extra sense of um, uh, a need to fulfill uh, a certain role within the team, right? You, you need to do more. Right. I think more is expected of you uh, on and off the field. And, and I think a good example for me is uh, FC Cincinnati and Acosta. I, I think Acosta has always been a very good player, even when he was with DC. But I think he's been a better player for Cincinnati since he's got the armband because I feel like he knows, okay, now he's as the leader of the team. He needs to be a little bit more selfless. He needs to do a little bit more work on the defensive side. He has to get guys bought in. And, and I saw, I think that that was a, uh, a smart choice to, to make him captain there. Uh, and I don't know any about anything about him off the field or anything, but just from the outside looking on, um, like that was a guy that took ownership of an armband and to say, Hey, okay. Um, more is expected of me. I have to do things um, right on both sides of the ball, um, you know, in order for our team to have success. Um, but for me, it was always more a case of leading by example first um, as far between that and being more, you know, communicative. Is the leadership aspect, is that something that you guys try to hit on heavy with beyond goals or is it more of a just go out there and <laughs> essentially be, be good people, be good at what you're doing, but be good people. Yeah, we definitely hit on the leadership aspect um, because, you know, one of the things I learned was, you know, I, I was a leader far earlier than I thought I was because I, I was a quiet kid. I was um, never like the cheerleading type you know, rah, rah, get guys going, um, big speeches, that type of stuff that just wasn't my style. I was, you know, more quiet and reserved. And, um, but I didn't realize that I was a leader in a sense of leading by example at a younger age. And so we try and tell kids, especially if you're one of the better players on your team, you are a leader because kids, other kids are watching you. 
watching what you do to warm up, how, how you prepare, what you do on the field, what you do in practice, your reaction to things, right? Everything, because they want to get to your um, stature. They want to get to your level. Um, so they're watching and learning. Uh, and, and so, you know, coaches, uh, players, they have an ability to have an effect on other people um, you know, a lot more than they think sometimes. And, and that is part of being a leader. Is there anybody in the club now, uh, whether the first team or, or the twos or even down to the academy, for that matter, anybody that kind of sticks out to you is, is maybe because the armband's kind of been floating around throughout the, the first team this season, obviously because of injuries and everything else. But through the whole club, is there anybody that you know of that kind of sticks out? Or, um, I mean, the captaincy and leadership thing aside, um, I work with Noah Cobb, and I think that he is one that's got a very bright future. Um, you know, he, he, he's a center back that reminds me of myself in, in the way that he plays, even though he's got some more abilities physically than I did. Um, but just a smart young player and, and a really good person and uh, somebody that um, I enjoy working with and think that he's got a bright future for Atlanta in front of him. Um, and, you know, if he stays on the path that he is, um, certainly could be a leader in his own right, um, you know, sometime in the future. Can't really teach him to get over the growth spurt, right? <laughs> he's gotten tall lately. <laughs> definitely um so i don't want to uh you're you're more than welcome to hang around but i do want to give you a chance to kind of shout out one more time you know what you guys are doing um and also i don't know if you want to hit on it but could you kind of hit on what what's going on with uh rhode island with the soccer club up there yeah definitely um yes yeah, so i joined an ownership group of um uh, a USL championship team that's going up into my home state up in Rhode Island. Uh, so we just broke ground on a stadium uh, that's going in just outside of Providence in a city called Pawtucket. And uh, we'll be kicking off in 2024. Uh, so I'm recruiting miles to be our first signing. Just kidding. <laughs> um, Don't take him away from us. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, so no, I'm I'm really excited about that project because uh, you know Rhode Island, my home state, you know, and growing up there, and you know they don't really have a professional. They do not have a professional sports team. We've got minor league hockey, which is attached to obviously it's an affiliate to to the Boston team. Uh, so this will be Rhode Island's first sole professional team that's not affiliated to anyone and you know the the project itself is going to be massive um the stadium and then the surroundings so i'm super pumped about that so that's that's awesome um but then yeah the, the beyond goals mentoring has, has been fun for greg and i we really enjoy it we're trying to have a as big an impact on the youth as we can inside and outside of soccer specifically in atlanta uh so that's been that's been fun and exciting um so, yeah, all, all good things off the field, um, minus, you know, having to get through an Atlanta United game here and there. That hasn't been the easiest yeah, <laughs> to watch sometimes. <laughs> hey, real quick, like I want to ask you, uh, obviously it's a World Cup year, and it's going to be up soon. Um, your thoughts on the U.S. men's national team and you know, how they'll compare? Yeah, I think it's uh, super exciting. Um, you know, obviously missing out on the last one. It's it's 
we've been yearning for this uh, for a while now. Um, that combined with the the young talent that we've got, especially playing over in Europe, um, is exciting. Um, but you know, we were speaking earlier about how this Atlanta United team is young, um, and our national team is young, right? Um, like by far the youngest team in the World Cup, um, and so. <laughs> It's a challenge, right? You, you, you look at it as if, well, they're young, so maybe the pressure won't get to them and they've got this youthful outlook on things and not scared of anything. And for sure, this younger generation is like that. And that's why these guys are having success over in Europe, you know, like McKinney and Adams and Pulisic, like these guys, you know, have no fear and they, they think they belong, which they do. Um, so, so that's great. Um, you know, you just hope that some of the older guys can instill some leadership within the group that's always needed at, at such a big tournament. Um, you know, and I, and I love Greg as a coach on the field. You know, I think that he's, he's one of the best I ever worked with. Um, so I'm really looking forward to it. I think the group is, is all you could have asked for, um, in a draw, right? You, you get England, but the other two teams are uh, definitely beatable. I mean, shoot, even England's beatable in a big tournament, right? Um, so <laughs> I, I really like our chances. I think it's a, a massive disappointment if we don't get out of the group, but I expect that we would. Um, from there, it's a crapshoot on the draw. But, you know, I really hope that this group, similar to Atlanta United in 2017, right, get, get to a spot where you can literally – gain some experience so that the next go round you can go and legit have a chance to friggin win it um you know and, and i don't say that with any hyperbole right if you if you have that group you know four years from now if the average age is 22 at this world cup right that that means the average age is in their prime for the next one right but you have to get to a certain stage this year. And I don't know if that stage is quarterfinals or I think that's where I, I hit it, right? If you can get to quarterfinals, that experience is, it would be just invaluable for the team. Uh, so that's what my hopes are, at least get to that point. And then from there, it's, you know, anything's icing on top of the cake, but hopefully we can get as far as we can. I don't know if that was um, more than a little subtle dig at England considering <laughs> their <laughs> major tournaments. <laughs> I like it though, um, you know, because I think that's been a lot of the the chat coming into well, World Cup has been, you know, England this and England that, and, and the U.S. Well, in, all the group and, in all seriousness, shout out to um, the England women winning Euros. So you know, got to give a shout sure. out to them. Oh, absolutely. Sure. Uh, but yeah, I mean, to your point, then in four years they get to come back home too, which is a huge, yeah, huge benefit. Definitely. No, for sure. And I'm excited because I'll be in Atlanta that week. Um, you know, myself, Kevin, Greg, Alec Cam, Mikey Ambrose, we put on a camp um, in and around Atlanta Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of Thanksgiving. Um, so I'm going to be there for the first two games of uh, uh, of the World Cup. So I'm excited to be at a couple of bars having some drinks and watching those games. Yeah, that's going to be a good time. That is going to be a really good time. Um, any plans to come back? No, this is way in the future. But any plans to come back to the bins for any of those matches? Um, the World Cup, yeah, or, or before that. Oh, yeah, I, I was excited when the Benz uh, was selected because I thought, oh man, I think I know a couple people that could maybe help me get some tickets <laughs> to a game. So, uh, yeah, I'm definitely hoping that I can get to at least one. Awesome. So, one one last thing because it's just kind of our tradition, and you you can do it if you want to. But the next match Atlanta's got is. 
Toronto at home. Do you want to throw out a prediction? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, I think that, man, that's a tough team to shut out. So I think they score, um, you know, but I mean, shoot, if today was a must win, like legit, you have to win. I don't know. What do we have? Six games left ish. I think five. five yeah. Just five. I mean, yeah. realistically, you've got to win four. Right. Um, yeah. Three or four. Um, so if you don't if you don't win against Toronto, if the season's not in dires right now, um, then, you know, a loss against Toronto and it's over. So uh, I say two one good guys. Um, you know, I think Joseph bags a brace finally gets back to starting and, um, you know, at Toronto take one somewhere because they've got some talented guys. So, you know, you know, Joseph fairly well, how, how frustrated is he just being the, the, the goal scorer that he is, that he's not starting? Do you think he, do you think it motivates him? Do you think it frustrates him? Both. Um, there's no doubt he's frustrated. I mean, he's, he's ultra competitor and that's why, that's why he's one of the best. Um, that's what makes him so valuable. Uh, so yeah, I'm sure it's killing him that he's not out there. Um, but you know, I shoot, you'd have to think that he's motivated, right? He scored two goals in the last two games, um, you know, with limited time. So, um, you know, for me, you know, he starts the next game, um, you know, and, I understand why maybe you give Ronaldo a chance, but, um, you know, you got to go back to Joseph now, I think, and, um, you know, see if, see if he can get hot. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's basically your only chance of, of getting into the playoffs at this point is, is seeing if Joseph can get, get hot and really try and motivate some guys to play better than they are um, right now, which is what you need. All you got to do is get in and then just – you know, the period of the league lets itself to the fact that really anything can happen in the playoffs. Although it looks pretty dire, as we were just talking about for Atlanta United, um, they're, they're going to have to really go on a tear. And yeah, I agree with you, Joseph is going to have to be at the center of that. Yeah, I agree, uh, for sure. So, obviously, Michael, we appreciate you coming on. Anything else that you want to hit on? You're more than welcome to stay uh, because now we're about to, you know, open it up for um, for kind of everybody to chat. That's that's kind of the way this show works. But uh, um, anything else you want to hit on before you go or before you, I don't know, maybe take a step back? <laughs> no, no, not at all. No, um, no, I appreciate you guys having me on. Um, it's always always fun to talk uh, footy. Um, you know, obviously easier and more fun to talk footy when the team's doing well. But um no, I, I enjoy the Atlanta United community and uh, what, what you guys do. Uh, so, no, it's my pleasure to hop on and hopefully I can do it again. Um, if not this season, then more frequently next year. Absolutely. We, hey, you're more than welcome anytime, and we definitely appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for doing this. Yeah, it's my pleasure, guys. Hopefully uh, we can get some uh, good results here down the stretch and give it a shot here. Definitely. Good luck with everything you've got going on. Um, for everybody listening, make sure you're following. Obviously, I'm sure you're following Michael Parkhurst already. But if you're not, make sure you follow. And then it's just to verify, it's at BG Mentoring, correct? Yeah, BG for Beyond Goals. Yep, BG yep. Mentoring, yep. Awesome. 
Cool. All right, guys. Thank you. Appreciate it. Have a great night. Have a good one. Appreciate it.